0: It is Thursday, September 8th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauf. With me, as always, is Jared And Jared, we basically made it. It's Thursday afternoon, <laughs> but it is the start of week one tonight, so it's almost time to be all done with drafts. I say that I've got another FFPC main event draft to do, but it's almost time to move past the drafts and see what our players are actually going to do.
1: I'm done drafting. I did my last one last night. I was setting lineups this morning. So I'm into that mode. Did did FFPC waivers last night? Nope. So I'm starting to, you know, get into that mode. Not not sure I'm uh conditioned for this, you know, podcast that's gonna be like an hour and a half long. I'm not I'm not ready for it yet, but we'll see. I'll try to pace myself.
0: I got to say, though, as I was getting ready for this, I was like,
1: it's been kind of a while since I was
0: talking on a pod because there was a stretch there where it was every single day and multiple times a day for a lot of those days. So uh, I I think I'm ready, but we'll see as I go through my notes where I left my gaps. I can tell that it's getting to be football season and the school year, though, because I'm already doing a crappy job of getting
1: enough sleep. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm too tired for it to be week one, but, uh, you know, we'll we'll push to it. We're, We're used to it. Right. That's right. It's the grind, baby. That's why they call it a grind. Otherwise it would be a walk in the park.
0: So we'll start with the Thursday night game for anybody who has not watched the show before we come at you every Thursday. We go through every single game on the NFL schedule for the week. We'll start with the Thursday game. If you're listening to this after the Thursday game, you know, feel free to fast forward. I'll put some timestamps on it later. Um, But the bills and the Rams are going to open up on Thursday night. The bills are two and a half point favorites on the road. It opened as Rams by one, but then moved quite a bit. The over under is 52 Jared. And I think that kind of points to how attractive this matchup is for fantasy much more than the specific matchups of the defenses against the offenses
1: yeah second highest over under on the week one slate the bills at 27.25 implied points have the third highest implied total on the slate. The Bills offense is totally healthy you know Isaiah McKenzie was the one question I think he was dealing with a groin a couple weeks ago but he is uh it was a full going practice all week so we're expecting him to be the primary slot guy out of the gate you know between Stefan Diggs and, and Gabe Davis Sean McVay,
0: I just read today, uh, has never been below 500 in his five years with the Rams, (laughs) which I find shocking. That means that they have won all five of the season openers. They have never gone below 500. That means if the Bills actually win tonight, as the Vegas projection says, it'll be the first time under McVay that
1: they've been sub 500. This line is strange that Buffalo would be, you know, two and a half point. Row of, you know, that means the Bills would be like eight and a half point favorites at home. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I know Mike Shope was talking about how it might be a reaction to, to Stafford's elbow issue that, you know, that, that pushed the line in that direction. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, you know, excited to get a get a look at Stafford and whether that elbow is going to be an issue tonight. And you know, we'll talk Stafford's elbow a little bit more. But first, we'll talk about the Bills because they are the
0: road team. Third highest implied point total, as you mentioned, from the Vegas projections. They were number three in scoring last year, number five in total yards. Um, the Rams were fairly stingy as a fantasy defense, allowed the sixth fewest points to QBs, 10th fewest to running backs, seventh most to wide receivers, and also a negative matchup for tight end scoring. I think you kind of throw that out because of how strong the Bills' offense is. And, you know, obviously you're starting Josh Allen, obviously you're starting Stephon Diggs. Um, what about other guys on here?
1: I think this is a good opening week spot for Gabe Davis. The Rams lost last year's number two corner, Darius Williams. Um, He's going to be replaced by David Long. Um, David Long, 74th among 96 qualifiers in PFFs coverage grades last season. So positive matchup. For Gabe Davis uh, positive matchup from for Isaiah McKenzie in the slot two against Troy Hill. He wasn't you know among the bottom 20 corners in PFFs coverage grades last season. So, you know, may, maybe with Stefan Diggs dealing with Jalen Ramsey for at least part of this game, we see, you know, McKenzie and, and Davis pick up, you know, a, a bit more of the slack than we might see some other weeks.
0: Yeah, I was going to point out the McKenzie matchup. You know, you mentioned already is good to go on the injury front after there was a question there. Uh, but the Rams also have a new slot corner. It's an old slot corner for them. Troy Hill who played fairly well as a Ram starter in 2020, got a big contract with the Browns ahead of last year, and then played poorly enough that he's no longer a Brown, re-signed with the Rams. He was among the top 12, according to PFF, in both highest passer rating allowed and highest catch rate allowed on balls thrown into his coverage. So it's a good spot, as you mentioned, for Isaiah McKenzie. Pretty good spot for Gabe Davis. I say that if you drafted Gabe Davis where you likely drafted him this year, you should be starting him tonight. McKenzie, you know, it's a little farther down. I could definitely see him putting up numbers tonight, but you probably drafted him as like a wide receiver 60. So that it could be one of those getting a little too cute, putting McKenzie into a lineup over, you know, the guys that most of us would be considering him against.
1: And I'll be watching tonight too, if it's like all McKenzie as that third, you know, slot guy, or if it's, you know, 70% McKenzie, and then they're also mixing in some, some Jamison Crowder.
0: Yeah, we certainly don't know that yet. And there was lots of talking up Khalil Shakir. So even if he's not in the slot, maybe they move things around to get Khalil Shakir in there more. So, yeah, that's, you know, the other question with McKenzie. We know that he's healthy, but we don't really know how much playing time he's getting. So, you know, just be careful about overplaying an upside guy right away when we're all just about to learn what's true and what's not. On the other side, Bill's defense was number one in Football Outsiders DVOA overall last year. Number one against the pass, number 11 against the run. It was the toughest scoring matchup for fantasy quarterbacks in the league. But there's no Tredavious White this time around. Safety Jordan Poyer is coming off an elbow injury that kept him out for most of August. So he's back healthy, but you know, maybe there's a little rust. I would say overall, Matthew Stafford's probably starting in most
1: cases where you're considering that. Yeah, no Trey White is big here. Buffalo's going to be starting their first round rookie, Kyer Elam, you know, one of the corner spots. Sounds like he had an up and down camp. That might be a spot the Rams look to attack. Yeah, I mean, you know, Stafford sits in our rankings where he's going to sit most of the year, you know, somewhere between quarterback 10 and 12. Yeah, I think that's where he belongs. And the latest today
0: is Adam Schefter reporting (laughs) that Matthew Stafford's elbow feels better now than it did at this point last year. I saw a Mike Florio reaction to that, where he is openly wondering whether Schefter is like sharing that stuff as like a favor to whoever his sources that's trying to make things sound better than they might be for the Rams. I, For me, I, I think that we can't really head too far down any path here. And we have to just kind of trust at this point that Matthew Stafford's elbow is good enough that we just, you know, project him as Matthew Stafford instead of downgrading or upgrading.
1: I don't know if you saw Ian Rapport came out with like the same exact report at like the same mm-hmm. exact time. So that, that's a little curious. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all the, you know, national insiders that attended Rams camp, you know, Peter King, you know, sticks out to me, you know, did not seem like they noticed a change in Stafford's, you know, throwing velocity or accuracy. We know he, he played with elbow discomfort or pain last year too. You know, he, he throughout his career played through injuries. Um, so I'm not overly concerned about it, especially early in the season. I think maybe it's something, you know, later in the season when he you know, starts piling up 500, 600 throws that maybe it becomes an issue. But uh, I'm, de- I'm definitely curious to get our you know first look at him tonight.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go further into the Rams, I kind of glossed over the Bills backfield. Are you using any Bills running backs in this game?
1: I mean, Singletary is the one I'd consider, you know, as an RB3 or flex. I, I do think he's at least open the season. Locked in is the early down runner, you know, the lead, lead ball carrier. I'm curious to see how much passing down snaps he's he's going to lose to James Cook, whether Zach Moss is going to be, I was going through all my lineup today. I have Zach Moss stashed in like 90% of my, of my teams. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a chance he steals some goal line looks. So I'm, I'm worried about Singletary, you know, longer term, but I, I do think he's, he's okay as an RB three or flex this week. Spikes to you on YouTube asks if he should start, I assume he
0: could be she start uh, James Cook or Mike Davis. what do you say there?
1: Um, I'd probably lean Cook if it's full PPR. Otherwise, I'd go Mike Davis, assuming J.K. Dobbins is not going to play for Baltimore. Yeah, I would say that especially because you have to make the call today for James
0: Cook as opposed to waiting for more info on what the Ravens are going to do with their backfield on Sunday. So tough to already be making that kind of decision. But I think I would lean James Cook, especially for the strength of the offense, too. All right. So back over to the Rams. Obviously, Cooper Cup starting. Allen Robinson is pretty close to obvious. I think you have to have a pretty loaded team and maybe even be starting only two wideouts for him to actually be in consideration for the bench and having no Van Jefferson in this game only helps Allen Robinson's outlook.
1: Yeah. should be a really concentrated target tree for the Rams, at least, you know, until Van Jefferson returns, you know, with Cooper cup, obviously Allen Robinson. And I think Tyler Higby gets a boost too. Um, You know, it's going to be Ben Skoranek and then Tutu Atwell kind of, I think in a committee to replace those Van Jefferson stamps. I don't think either guy's going to, you know, garner a big target share. So again, I think cup, Robinson and Higby should all get target boosts until Van Jefferson is back. And this is not going to be fantasy relevant,
0: but I'm curious to see how much Tutu Atwell we get with no Van Jefferson.
1: Yeah, again, it sounds like it's it sounds like they like Skaronic when they're you know trying to run the ball, get the bigger blocker in there, and then you know Tutu maybe it's more of a situational big play guy
0: cam Akers gets a run d that was a negative matchup overall um but we saw plenty of soft spots with that bills run d so i don't think it's one that you actually downgrade a running back for the biggest question is what is the workload split actually going to look like and of course you know the real answer is we don't know we're all waiting to see i'm probably starting cam Akers where i drafted him uh, unless it's somewhere that i drafted him as my third running back then i could see playing wait and see if i
1: have you know two running backs that i picked within the first three rounds over them. yeah acres and henderson both off the injury report after you know they dealt with soft tissue issues um in late august so it doesn't look like we have any injury concerns at least at this point with these guys i i'm with you i have no idea what the backfield split's going to look like i would not be surprised if it's 75 percent acres tonight i would not be surprised if it's 50 percent acres tonight um, we'll see if Kyron Williams gets involved at all. So acres is the guy at start among the Rams backs, but again, I don't feel confident in projecting this, this backfield split at this point.
0: Yeah. I I would lean toward playing acres. I would lean away from playing Daryl Henderson, but we're kind of waiting to see what happens. I would also try not to use Tyler Higby. The bills were the second worst scoring matchup for tight ends last year. They sapped nearly 40% of PPR scoring from the position. Um, so tough matchup Higby's already not a a gimme for, Um, targets and points always touchdown upside, but it's not a great spot for him.
1: Yeah, again, the one thing I do like is you know Van Jefferson's absence maybe meaning an extra target or two for Higby. But but you're right that the matchup here isn't great. Now you might not have any players on either side in this game,
0: or maybe you do. Either way, it's a good (laughs) spot to play the sleeper over under game. I just created our group. To, for the over-under on Sleeper. If you go to sleeper.com slash DraftSharks, you make your first deposit, they will match it up to a hundred bucks. So go ahead and do that. And you can join the DraftSharks.com insiders group on there. I was looking through the numbers, Jared, and I, the Cam Akers rushing yards look low, like even versus our kind of conservative projection for him. The Matthew Stafford passing yards look low versus our projections for him. And then, because you're going to have to play at least one player from each side of that game, Stefan Diggs's receiving yards look most attractive to me. You know, just from like the quick pre show view, I'm certainly going to dig in more and compare it more to our week one rankings.
1: I was going to say, you can hop over to our uh, weekly player projections page, see our projections for every single player, just compare those quick. That's that's kind of what I'll be doing when I'm you know setting these over-unders on Sleeper. Yeah, Sleeper.com
0: slash draft sharks. Make a deposit, they'll match it, and then you can join us in that group. And we can all help each other make good picks and make some money this year. For now, let's move on to the Sunday games. New Orleans Saints at Atlanta Falcons. The Saints by five and a half. That's up two from where it opened over under 42 and a half. And I think that is a pretty good indication of just how attractive a fantasy game this is going to be, which is to say not all that attractive. (laughs) The Falcons third friendliest to quarterback scoring last year, fifth friendliest to wide receivers. That said, Jared, I think that the saints have every reason to try to run as much as possible in this game. And then the heavy line in their favor, you know,
1: only further backs that scenario. Yeah, decent 24-point team total for the Saints. So, you know, you're, you're okay using guys on this side of the ball. We'll see about Michael Thomas. That's the big question for the Saints after, you know, he finally got over the ankle stuff. He hurt a hamstring late in August. He was limited in Wednesday's practice, but, you know, head coach Dennis Allen was kind of non-committal on Thomas's availability. For this one, if if Thomas is out, you feel much better about using Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry. Um, but I think you know Evan Kamara, obviously the, the top fantasy option here. I think he's a great play. He's someone I'll be considering in DFS. The Falcons struggled against running backs, both on the ground and in the passing game last season.
0: Yeah, sixth friendliest to RB scoring last year. I mean, we saw games last year where Jameis Winston threw like 23 passes. I would not be surprised at all if we get something like that here. So I, w- I would prefer not to play any Saints pass catchers. Certainly, the, you know, the deeper you get, the more sense you can make out of Chris Olave or Jarvis Landry. But I I would prefer to wait and see on this passing game where possible.
1: A lot of uh, Olave buzz. Uh, he had a you know, pretty nice preseason, uh, you know, caught a pass in Jameis Winston's one appearance. Again, if, if Thomas is out, I think that's when I'd be considering Olave and, you know, standard sized fantasy leagues.
0: I mean, there should be Chris Olave buzz right now, right? He's an exciting player to watch. He was a first round pick 13th overall. So just an offense I would rather see for a week, at least before I start playing people not named Alvin Kamara. And we'll see about Mark Ingram. Maybe there'll be enough carries there. But, you know, again, you'd have to be down in Mike Davis or Kenyon Drake territory (laughs) for Mark Ingram to make sense, I think. Exactly. The Saints uh, defense was number three in DVOA last year, fourth against the pass first against the run perennially tough against the runs number two in defensive DVOA overall the year before, Uh, as I said, it was the stingiest running back scoring defense last year. So not a great matchup for running backs in general. Of course, one of the things or maybe the thing that we like most about Cordero Patterson is he's kind of matchup proof in that if the Falcons are running the ball, he looks like their best running back. Still, If the Falcons fall behind and need to throw the ball, he might be their best receiver, at least short of Kyle Pitts this week.
1: Yeah, six catches and for 126 yards for for CPAT in that first meeting against the Saints last season. Um, Drake London, iffy for this game coming off the knee injury, you know, that could push even more work Patterson's way. So, uh, you know, especially especially in full PPR, you know, despite the tough matchup, I, I think Patterson's a pretty solid week one starter.
0: Yeah. He's RB 20 in our PPR rankings. I think that's a fair spot, even though, you know, he could go late on carries. He should be central to the passing game. I'm not using Drake London, even if he's active for this game at the, the Falcons are apparently going to make the call on him Saturday. If they're that unsure about a rookie who missed basically all of August because of a knee issue, I'm going to wait until he's actually doing
1: something on the field before I consider him for my lineup. Yeah. It'd be a tough matchup too, for London against Marshall Lattimore. so. Um, I'm almost hoping they just hold him out, get him healthy, let him debut in week two. Yeah. And then, of course, Kyle Pitts is always in there and everything else, Atlanta should not be close to your
0: lineup. Yep. On to the Cleveland Browns at the Carolina Panthers, Panthers by one and a half in this one, it opened as Browns by four and a half. Of course, that was back when Deshaun Watson was possibly involved for the Browns, not involved. He's suspended for 11 games. So it's going to be Jacoby Brissett over under 41 and a half. it should be a quick game to go through here because on the Brown side, Jared, you're playing Nick Chubb. You're you might be playing Kareem Hunt, but even his role makes him at best a low end RB2. And then, I mean, everything else is is pretty iffy.
1: Yeah. So in the backfield, uh, uh, we, we saw very few games with Chubb and Hunt healthy. Last season, uh, just just five of them, the first five games of the season, you know, Hunt Hunt averaged 11 carries and 4.2 targets in those five games. He was 21st in expected fantasy points over that span. This is a game that, you know, should stay relatively close. The run game should be able to, you know, keep rolling for the Browns throughout. So I I think Hunt's an okay RB3 or flex play. Otherwise, I think Amari Cooper is, you know, okay. He's going to, Cooper's going to look okay until he gets Deshaun Watson back. I mean, it's not exciting starting Amari Cooper, but Jacoby Brissett, as his quarterback, but Cooper did have a healthy August, you know, he had an ankle tweak early in the month, but he was healthy otherwise. So he's healthy coming into this one. Uh, and then I think David Njoku is, is in play, you know, as a you know spot start option, lower end, tight end one, uh, encouraging preseason usage for Njoku got, you know, the, the route rate we're looking to see. Um, and I think, you know, there's a good chance that he's the second option in this passing game, at least early on in the season.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, Mari Cooper checks in wide receiver thirty-eight in our week one rankings. David and Joku, tight end eighteen. So you know, like Jared said, they can be fringe options, but certainly not guys that we're that we want to start this week or that you should look to uh, as centerpieces to your lineup. On the Panthers side, Christian McCaffrey obviously, DJ Moore obviously,
1: and besides that, it's a no thanks for me. Yep. That's, that's it for me too. You know, you know, first game under new OC Ben McAdoo, we'll see what that means for the offense. We'll see how Baker looks in a revenge game. You know, maybe he wants to, you know, stick it to his former team, but um, yeah, McCaffrey and DJ Moore and that's it for the Panthers.
0: I think this is a good place to play the defense on either side. You know, you've yeah. got the low point total and we've got some turnover slash sack potential between the quarterbacks for sure. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Washington commanders commanders by two and a half. That's down by a half a point and a half from where it started over under 43 and a half. This game certainly could go over that total, but it's also the first chance that we get to actually see these Jaguars and see how much of the upside that we've been projecting into it is really there. The strength of schedule page on draft has Washington as the top scoring matchup for fantasy quarterbacks last year. Of course, we don't have any numbers to go on this year yet. So kind of guessing on that front, but it was a very friendly matchup to quarterback scoring last year. It was fourth friendliest to wide receiver scoring. It was neutral to slightly negative for RB scoring. Jared, I would love to say that Trevor Lawrence is a good play this week. (laughs) I would love to stick him in lineups, but it probably wiser to say, you know, I'll start him on a team where I waited on quarterback and took Lawrence plus somebody else in that range. Right. Otherwise, it probably should be more of a
1: DFS thing than like you know pushing him ahead of somebody like Matthew Stafford. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you waited super long in your draft to take quarterbacks and ended up with Lawrence as your quarterback one, this matchup wouldn't scare me away from using him. Uh, no Chase Young for Washington either, so that, that helps. I I like what we saw from Lawrence in the Jags offense in the preseason. He didn't put up massive numbers, but I, I thought he looked. Comfortable. We saw Christian Kirk at the encouraging usage in, in there in his one game. um So yeah, again, you know, if if Lawrence was your first quarterback drafted, I, I would not be scared to use him in this matchup. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Christian Kirk, fine
0: as a wide receiver three. He's ahead of Amari Cooper in our rankings. Wide receiver thirty three, I think he is in PPR. I, I, that's a fair spot. He certainly has upside to score beyond that, but it's you know similar to Trevor Lawrence, where you don't want to bet too heavily just yet. Evan Ingram, on the other hand. Tenth in our tight end rankings right now, and that might seem crazy based on his preseason ADP, but it's not far from where we had him ranked heading into the season. And the two guys right ahead of him right now, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, are both dealing with injury issues. So by Sunday, Evan Ingram might be eighth in our tight end rankings. And honestly, I feel just fine with him right there because the opportunity is there, and the matchup is not scary.
1: I'm already scared. They were so high on Evan Ingram, like all the numbers say we should be. Um, We'll see if it pans out. But yeah, I do think he's, you know, he's a fine lower end tight end one option this week. Nothing scary about this Washington matchup. They were uh, 15th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends last season. And, you know, again, you say high, but it's tight
0: end 10 right now, tight end eight in the week one rankings. We had him, you know, right around that range. So it's not like we had Evan Ingram tight end three. And the whole thing about why you drafted him this year is because you could draft him late enough that there was no risk. So consider him a starter this week. Um, we'll see where it goes from here, but I certainly remain optimistic. And speaking of optimism, the Jaguars are quite optimistic about James Robinson, who will apparently head into week one with no limitations on the Achilles tendon that he tore in week 16 last year. Doug Peterson said he might even get worked heavily in this game at trying to control the pace that's per an ESPN report. He did say, we'll see how things go in the game. We have to get in the game and see about the flow of things, but it just, it sounds
1: like he's not hesitant to play James Robinson because of the ankle because of the Achilles. Right. Um When, when we know it's a tough injury, we saw cam Akers try to return from that, you know, a few months quicker than Robinson will be. On Sunday, um, but it, it's all, it's always wait and see for me on these running backs coming back from Achilles. I I'd be surprised if Robinson plays a big role. I would I would not be starting him this week, and I you know still feel comfy starting Travis Etienne despite Robinson's return. You know that's definitely been quicker quicker than I expected for Robinson. Yeah,
0: I, I agree with all of that, and it's it's one of those things that I'm anxious to see how they split the work between those, how many touches we really get for Travis Etienne. Really, I, you know, I mean, I, like I never would have guessed. I don't know. A year ago, maybe just before Doug Peterson got hired. That's probably I I never would have guessed at that point how much I'd be looking forward to seeing the Jacksonville Jaguars offense in week one. (laughs) Same on the Washington side. Antonio Gibson is inside our top 20 running backs this week. And Jared, I think the RB 18 ranking for him might be closer to his floor than like an optimistic projection, barring, of course, an injury or an early game fumble.
1: Yeah, I mean, we still don't have him for a big pass catching role. Because if you remember, you know, in in games with J.D. McKissick healthy last season, Gibson averaged just two point three targets per game. Uh, now he averaged fifteen point four carries. And I think that's about where we have him at. Um, so again, I think he's a he's a good carry bet. You know, game flow should work in his favor or at least not work against him in this game against the Jags. It, it's a bit it's a bit scary just because like it just it seems like Washington just hates this guy. Like you know, they have him on the kick return team. They obviously wanted to you know put him behind Robinson on the depth chart. So it's a little scary, but I also don't envision Washington handing JD McKissick the ball like 12 times. So I think they kind of have to give Gibson that volume until Brian Robinson comes back.
0: Yeah. Now we do know that they are willing to give McKissick the ball, you know, if they need to. So I think if we get an early game fumble from Antonio Gibson, it could be, that could be it for his day. And we could just get like a JD McKissick, you know, 19 touch game. So let's hope that that doesn't happen. If you did draft Gibson, you're hoping he gets off to a hot start and then you can trade him before Brian Robinson gets back onto the field. And, you know, we're all kind of waiting to see when Brian Robinson will be back. It sounds like he's progressing. He's off crutches, but you know, it's not like we have a list of this is how long it took running backs to come off of two lower body gunshot wounds. Exactly. Uh, Terry McLaurin's obviously a starter. The only other guy that I'm even thinking about, is Jahan Dotson, and it's kind of like Trevor Lawrence for me here, Jared. I would love to say it's a good spot for Dotson. Flashy preseason. There's upside Mm -hmm. to him. I do think that there's upside, but I also have absolutely no idea how he's actually going to look in an NFL regular season. I have absolutely no idea how Carson Wentz is going to look with the team, how those two are going to work together in real games. So it would be better to not play him.
1: Yeah, definitely Prefer to wait and see on Dotson. You know, we, it does, based on preseason action, it does look like he's locked in as you know, the number two wide receiver. It's going to be McLaurin and Dotson in two wide receiver sets, Curtis Samuel coming on the field when when Washington goes three wide. Um, so Dotson and Samuel, guys worth stashing. But, yeah, you, you you should not need to use him to use either of those guys this week. Mm-hmm. Anything else from that game? We'll see if Logan Thomas plays. It sounds like there's a chance. Um, you know, He'll at least be back at some point in September. Uh, not a guy you should be using in week one Linus. but if you, you know, happen to go – Undrafted in your league, I think you know he, he's worth stashing as a tight end too.
0: Philadelphia Eagles at Detroit Lions, Eagles by four in this one over under a 48 and a half. Detroit was the third friendliest running back scoring matchup last year, neutral versus quarterbacks and wide receivers. Not sure how much that's gonna matter for this Philly team after the way they spent the offseason. Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown are obviously starters. If you've watched any of our other stuff, then Dallas Goddard is obviously a starter for you at this point. I would bet, Jared, that Miles Sanders finishes higher than our RB31 ranking for him this week. But as I look at the guys ahead of him on the list, I'm not sure that he's a better bet for touches than many, if any, of the guys ahead of him. So he might be one of those that, you know, I can start if I did kind of a zero RB thing and he's my first or second running back. Otherwise, it's probably a little bit more
1: wait and see just to find out what his workload's like. Definitely a good spot for Sanders. Uh, Eagles have the sixth highest implied total on the slate. If you, you remember, at least teams played last year, the Eagles won 44 to six. They, they ran it 46 <laughs> times in that game. It was a blowout from the start. Eagles running backs in that game combined for 144 yards and four touchdowns on 37 carries um, Sanders off the injury report with the hamstring that he dealt with in the second half of August. So again, it's a good spot. I, I just, we don't know exactly what this backfields going to look like. You know, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be involved to some extent. I think Boston Scott is going to be involved to some extent, especially potentially near the goal line for both of those guys. So those are the questions to Sanders. That's why he's in RB three range, but I would not be surprised at all if he finishes the week as a, you know, top 25, even a top 20 back in this matchup.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course the other thing kind of limiting that ceiling and where you want to hesitate as opposed to just taking a shot is Jalen hurts is their best goal line back. So they could have a really good running day and Jalen hurts could score both of their rushing touchdowns and just, you know, yeah. soak up the upside that they do have on the ground. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see miles Sanders here.
1: I would like to not have to use him, but if you need to, it's a fine spot. Yeah. That's my concern with Sanders is here that we're going to get like lines that are, you know, 12 carries for 70 yards, one catch for 10 yards, no touchdowns. Like it's a, Good real life day, but it doesn't help you much in fantasy. We'll certainly be watching
0: the goal line touches in this game, regardless of who actually punches it across the goal line. Um, Back to the passing game, Devontae Smith on the wide receiver three fringe here. And we're also waiting to see exactly what the pass run split looks like, because based on primarily the A.J. Brown pickup, I think we should expect this team to be much further toward the passing side than, you know, the extremely run heavy version of late last year. The question is like, just how
1: far can they go? Yeah, that's definitely one thing I'll be looking for this week. I'll also be just, you know, how big is the gap between AJ Brown and Devante Smith in terms of target share? That's going to be big. I I feel like Smith's going to be kind of a volatile guy, guy this season, you know, in games where Philly has to throw up more or the matchup just, you know, features him over AJ Brown. He's going to have some big games. I also think he's going to have some duds too. This still feel. I mean, I like the Lions this year. This still feels like a game, though, that, that the Eagles could control and end up, you know, only having to throw it, you know, twenty-five to thirty times.
0: On the other side, DeAndre Swift is obvious. If you drafted him, I'm on Ross Saint Brown is probably somebody you should start if you drafted him where he was going. Not a guy that I was drafting, but you know, it's it's similar to Gabe Davis. If you took him where he was going, then he should probably be in your lineup.
1: Yeah, for sure. I don't have much St. Brown, um, but if if you took him as a top thirty wide, you know there's no, nothing about this matchup that would that would scare you off him. T.J. Hawkinson, same thing. And Philly was actually the the friendliest tight
0: end matchup in the league last year, so a good spot for T.J. Hawkinson. This year's group has brand new safeties and brand new linebackers, so it might be completely different, but we don't know yet. And T.J. Hawkinson
1: was a top eight tight end, likely mm-hmm. where you drafted him, so he belongs in there. Yeah, both these defenses were bad against tight ends last season. Um, Hawkinson went. 10 catches for 89 yards on 11 targets in that, you know, blowout loss to the Eagles last year.
0: (laughs) And that's the kind of line that we can expect to continue that 8.9 yards per catch. (laughs) Lots and lots of receptions. Yep. Baltimore Ravens at the New York jets Ravens by seven here up two and a half from where it opened the over under 44 and a half. Obviously Vegas, you know, is, is scared of the jets without Zach Wilson, because that's the big storyline here. <laughs> Joe Flacco starting at least week one. And sounds like at least the first three games. Cause Robert Sala said, maybe week four Zach Wilson can make it back. I'm not sure that that really downgrades anybody in the jets passing game. And we'll see, maybe it's even an
1: upgrade. Yeah, Elijah Moore and uh, Joe Flacco's one start last season. Eight catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. He saw 11 targets, a 28% target share in the game. I'm, I'm not weighing that too heavily. It's one game. Uh, I, th- I believe the Jets' wide receiver core is all kinds of banged up. They've obviously added uh, Garrett Wilson this go-around. But I, I think – yeah, I'm with you. I don't think the move from Wilson to Flacco is a downgrade for this passing game, and it definitely might be an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore is certainly
0: somebody that I've – I've worried at times that I was too low on him at draft time at the same time. It's like the jets. I mean, how, how good can Elijah Moore be if everything breaks right for him? I, I just, I don't think the ceiling is so high that I'm going to be kicking myself at the end of the season and then drafting him in round three next year.
1: Yeah. yeah I always scary to bet against a talent you like, but, um, you, know, you, you got to bet against, you got to bet against some guys. You draft someone, you're not drafting someone else. So Elijah Moore, someone I did not end up with much of either.
0: This particular matchup would look excellent if you just go by last year's numbers. The Ravens were terrible against the pass last year, but they suffered myriad cornerback injuries. They signed Marcus Williams at safety in free agency this year. Um, Marlon Humphrey's back healthy. Marcus Peters is back healthy. So this is not the same defense that was giving up passing points all over the place last year. So. You know, you, if you do have Elijah Moore, I, I guess you're probably starting him based on where you're drafting him. I think he's closer yeah. to that like line where you might have somebody, uh, better, even if you took the guy around later. I just don't expect this to be a
1: monster receiving day
0: for Elijah Moore.
1: Yeah. And Moore's the only guy to consider starting in this Jets passing game. Uh, you know, it's going to be Corey Davis as the other outside guy. I, I believe that the Jets are actually going to play Braxton Berrios over. Uh, Garrett Wilson to start the season. That's what we saw in preseason. So, you know, Berrios, no thanks. And Wilson, good bench stash, but, you know, definitely not usable in week one.
0: Berrios could be interesting in DFS though. We'll talk about that stuff. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) The backfield is interesting for bad reasons because Michael Carter and Brees Hall are heading in, in a split. It's a negative matchup from last year in the Ravens defense. They were fourth in run defense DVOA. So Split backfield, uh, tough matchup, and their seven-point underdogs, I would prefer to not use either running back. And, you know, by the end of draft season, I wasn't taking much Brees Hall, so not a decision that I really have to make in many places.
1: Yeah, both guys outside the top 30 backs in our PPR rankings. We actually have Michael Carter a couple spots ahead of Hall. Um, I, I would bet on Carter out-touching Hall. This week, that's what we saw in the preseason was kind of, you know, 1A, 1B. I think we're talking like, you know, 60-40 Carter to start, you know, maybe even closer to 50-50. And then, you know, we'll kind of continue to assess the situation as we move deeper into into the year. On the Baltimore side, J.K. Dobbins was limited
0: Wednesday. We're waiting to see if he's going to play or not. Lamar Jackson, though, said after that practice that maybe Dobbins is back in a couple weeks. He didn't say it like somebody said, hey, when is J.K. Dobbins going to be back? And that was the answer. It was... Uh, Lamar Jackson talking about how good Dobbins looks on the field, saying he kind of wishes that Dobbins would slow it down a little bit with his rehabbing and then said he could be back in a couple weeks. Like it was optimistic. So (laughs) I I would plan on not having JK Dobbins. We'll see what the official word is. I would plan as though you're at least not going to have him for the first two games of the season though.
1: Yeah. I I removed Dobbins from our week one rankings. When I listened to that uh, Lamar Jackson soundbite. So we not, we, we have Davis and Kenny and Drake, almost splitting stuff down the middle cool. um yeah you know, i'm not sure what it's going to look exactly i mean it's a decent matchup you know pretty big implied total They're favorites but i also think you know with if it's a kenny and drake mike davis backfield, i think the ravens pass rate is going to look similar to what we saw last season when they were you know more league average 56 57 percent pass so that you know that's why i think uh, lamar jackson mark andrews or Shad bateman are all in excellent spots this week
0: Yeah, I tried to get a little bit more Mark Andrews in those last few drafts uh, heading into the season with the way the backfield looks now. Gus Edwards on the pup. J.K. Dobbins still looking iffy to start the season and Mike Davis, probably the primary ball carrier entering the year. So ugly. It's it's Lamar Jackson. It's Mark Andrews. Rashad Bateman is a pretty easy start this week. I would love to not have to use the backfield, but as you said, the matchup was the most favorable for running back scoring last year. So if you need to use a Ravens running back, if you did go zero RB and you're just you've got you're scraping for running backs to
1: start things just because that's the nature of the format, then Mike Davis is fine. Yeah, I was gonna say Davis would be my lean if you're able to pick between the two just because just because he was with the team all offseason, you know, Drake's only been there a couple of weeks now. Um, And then then we'll see if Isaiah likely is going to be a thing. (laughs) We sure will. I would certainly not bet on him
0: being a thing in week one, but you know, we'll start to look at the usage at least and and see how likely he is to be a thing going forward. Yep. Pittsburgh Steelers at Cincinnati Bengals Bengals by six and a half. The over under is 44 and a half. So just kind of a meh outlook here on the Pittsburgh side. Deontay Johnson was limited Wednesdays, got a shoulder injury. It
1: seems like we're just kind of going to kind of have to wait and see on him. Yeah, and he was non-committal on you know whether he'll be able to play Sunday when asked. I think it was prior to Wednesday's practice. Um, so he, he seems you know actually questionable for this game. Um, you know, if Johnson plays, he's the only Steelers wide receiver I'd really trust in fantasy lineups. If, if Johnson's out, I think Pickens and Claypool both become you know guys you can consider as you know wide receiver three flex options. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. If if Johnson's in there, I'd rather wait and see on the other two guys. But if he's out, it becomes a why not, depending on obviously who you're um, deciding among. Otherwise, Pittsburgh, you know, Najee Harris is an obvious start. Pat Fryermuth, you know, kind of is what he is. He's in that middle area where if he's your top tight end, go for it. I wouldn't I don't know. I wouldn't elevate him a whole lot over higher drafted tight ends. But then if you drafted
1: Fryermuth, you probably shouldn't have like a top six tight end on your roster. Yeah, I can't wait till we start getting some actual, like, you know, data on these tight ends. We can start to, you know, do more than just say, yeah, I don't know if you drafted him highest start. him. Because that's kind of where we're at. It is it is a pretty good matchup for Friermuth. Uh, Cincinnati was 23rd in adjusted points allowed to tight ends last season. They were 24th in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings.
0: But that is kind of like an overall message for week one, though, is we are starting to look at matchups and we're talking about matchups. But we're also talking about last year's matchup data. We're going to learn about these teams. But it's important to keep in mind, there's a reason that you drafted players where you drafted them. You know, Isaiah McKenzie was a 13th round pick because we don't know what's going to happen with him over a full season that starts now. We don't know what's going to happen with him in week one, even if the matchup is positive. And, you know, there are other guys that you drafted much earlier because you expect them to perform like early round picks. So that, that doesn't mean just go ahead and automatically slot everybody exactly where you drafted them. You know, we talked about Brees Hall being lower than you probably drafted him in the week one rankings, but it's also not time to overthink it, especially when we have little
1: info to actually think about. I, I love week one as a player. I hate week one as an analyst. I always feel like I'm just like flying blind. You know, we, we don't have any 2022 data to go on. So I think you for week one lineups, you just want to go with – projectable volume, you know, who's going to be on the field. Who's going to be, you know, are the, who's the best bet to get touches. Uh, I think, you know, matchups obviously matter less this early in the season. Yes, I agree with that on the
0: Cincinnati side. I mean, are there any like fringe questions? The big guys are obvious, you know, T Higgins, um, yeah. Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. I guess Tyler Boyd is kind of a fringy guy. Uh, Joe Burrow is probably pretty securely in your starting spot unless he yeah. slipped in your draft.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Boyd and Hayden Hurst are like the fringy Bengals We'll be talking about this season. I think those are guys you want to use in games. You expect to shoot out. Um, this doesn't feel like a shootout game to me. Uh, Steelers defense, pretty solid. Still Steelers offense. I don't think they're going to push in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, Boyd and Hurst would, would be guys I'd you know, lean against using this week. Yeah. Don't start Hayden Hurst yet. I mean,
0: you know, maybe he scores a touchdown, but he's not going to be, it's not going to be like, Whoa, they targeted Hayden Hurst 10 times in that game unless they have to. So You shouldn't need Hayden Hurst yet. Tyler Boyd's 48th in our wide receiver rankings for PPR. So, you know, if you're playing four wideouts, he might be in play. But otherwise, he's he's somebody that you're basically stashing in case T Higgins or Jamar Chase goes down. Hurst is going to finish higher than than you think he is this year. (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) New England Patriots at Miami Dolphins Dolphins by three and a half. That's up one from where it started over under is 46 and a half. That is actually up two as well. On the Patriots side, Ty Montgomery was back to some practice this week and did travel with the team. So we're waiting to see still if he's gonna play. I certainly wouldn't plan on using him in fantasy, but he might yeah. be ready to play after that knee injury that seemed like it was gonna be more serious.
1: Yeah, and that that impacts Ramondre Stevenson most, I think, because I think Stevenson would be the guy to you know pick up that you know two minute offense, hurry up, obvious passing down situation stuff. Um so you know, if Ty Montgomery's in, then you just kind of have Stevenson back in, you know, the role he was in last year where he's you know, probably the one B to Damian Harris on the ground and, you know, playing a pretty minimal role in the past game, J- just in general, like this over under is at 46. I-, I would, I'd bet the under, you know, the Patriots, the story of their summer was, you know, the struggles of the offense, both in training camp and in preseason action. Um, you have a Dolphins offense that could be good, but you know, the first game under Mike McDaniel, you know, the Patriots defense is still going to be tough. So uh, I-, I don't expect a-, a ton of scoring in this game in general.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And the Patriots do have a good defense and the Dolphins should have a pretty good defense as well. So it's probably not going to be the most fantasy friendly game. Jacoby Myers is the other Patriot dealing with an injury was limited Wednesday with the knee. Seems like he'll probably play, but also not super attractive as an option here. Yeah,
1: He'll give you your five catches for 50 yards if that's what you're looking for.
0: Patriots defense was fourth in DVOA last year, third against the pass. They were the second toughest QB scoring matchup last year. Toughest tight end matchup in the league. Of course, that doesn't matter because Mike Gusecki is only going to get 10 total targets this year now that they're treating him like a left tackle. We've got a couple injuries on the Miami side to monitor Jalen Waddell, Chase Edmonds. Uh, Chase Edmonds with a groin was limited Wednesday. Uh, Jalen Waddle apparently practiced without a sleeve on the leg that had been an issue in August, it would be nice to not have to use Jalen Waddle this week, Jared. But I think, I between these two, I would be closer to using Jalen Waddle than I would Chase Edmonds given their situations.
1: Yeah, I mean Waddle sits probably ten spots lower in our week one rankings than he will most weeks. That's um, partly matchup, but mostly due to that injury. And I'm not super concerned about the actual injury at this point, but it's just the fact that he missed you know most of August. You know, in this new offense, he's a young player, so I would not be surprised if he gets off to a slower start. The Edmonds injury, we know nothing about. You know, when he popped up on the injury report yesterday, it was the first we heard of it. He was not limited in practice, um, which you know is, is you know obviously better than being sidelined. So I'm still expecting Edmonds to play. Um, and to be kind of, you know, the one the eight or he most it's one B as a ball carrier. I think Edmonds should handle most of the pass catching stuff out of this backfield. Um, New England, by the way, you know, before that, I, I was into Edmonds this week before this groin injury. We'll keep an eye on it. But New England really struggled against pass catching backs last season. Uh, Football Outsiders had them 29th in running back coverage. And they allowed the fourth most receiving yards, to running backs last year. So it could be a good matchup for Edmonds in the passing game if that groin is not a not an issue. And the Patriots remain strong in the
0: secondary. So if we get good reports, like he's nearly full strength or whatever, heading into Sunday, then I'd be fine with that. But as it is, I'm very wary of Chase Edmonds, who hasn't seemed like he's a good playthrough pain guy, you know, not judging his pain tolerance, but there have been a number of times where he heads in with an injury and leaves early. So um, I would try to lean against Chase Edmonds, especially because He's already the kind of back that we don't really know what the workload's going to look like. We don't know exactly what the split's going to be like with Raheem Mostert, and you know they have plenty of pass catchers available where they don't need to pepper Chase Edmonds with targets. So, yeah. I, I'll, I, if I'm if he's looking like a starter for me, I would certainly keep an eye on his situation pretty closely mm-hmm. leading up to Sunday game time.
1: Yeah, and, and grab uh, Raheem Mostert if he's available in your league. I feel like he probably went undrafted in quite a few leagues when we weren't sure if it was going to be Mostert and Michelle as the number two. But you know, Mostert's the clear number two guy now. He has experience in this offensive system, and you know, had been desirably dealing with an injury.
0: Yes, I agree with that. And you know, I, I said it jokingly, but Mike Geseki is not an option this week unless you really need him. Um, and otherwise, I, I'm just not really strongly considering anything else. Obviously, Tyree Kill is starting in nearly all cases. Tua, I would. Certainly prefer not to use. Agreed. Tua is a good like. If you waited and took Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tonga Bayoloa, I would absolutely start Trevor Lawrence over Tua this week. Me too. So let's hope somebody did that so you can start Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I don't know if I did that anywhere. San Francisco 49ers at Chicago bears 49ers by seven over under 41 down one point from where it began. And the biggest fantasy storyline here is George Kittle who apparently suffered a groin injury. Monday was not practicing Wednesday, of course have not seen yet the practice report for Thursday, but we're going to have to watch Kittle this week. We know that he's a guy who can play even if he doesn't practice at all, but I would guess that the, the Niners would lean a bit more cautious than daring
1: as far as playing Kittle, if there's any question about that groin injury. Yeah, that's a terrifying start to the season if you drafted Kittle, and he's already dealing with a groin injury with his history. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Th- this is a game where I don't expect the Niners to have to do much in the passing game. I think you could see, you know, like 18 Trey Lance pass attempts, and you know, like 40 runs between Lance and the running back. So you know, it, if Kittle's out, Debo and Ayuk become easier to trust. I mean, you're you're starting Debo. I'm sure if you drafted him in the second or even third round, Um, Ayuk's a fringy guy who to me would become a solid wide receiver three. If George Kittle doesn't play this weekend.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And certainly upside into the wide receiver two range, depending on how Trey Lance plays, but yeah, an offense that I would rather be a little bit, I don't know, conservative with using, if I have other, at, at least similar options, backfield, Should probably start Elijah Mitchell, especially with them being seven-point favorites. It sounds like he's the number one running back there, and you know we'll see what the work split looks like.
1: Yeah, Mitchell's healthy right now. He missed a couple weeks in August, but um, was back at practice by the end of the month and is not on this week's injury report. So he, you know, he he should be the clearly guy. And this this is a game where he could get twenty plus carries.
0: And Trey Lance is probably in your lineup pretty much always, right, Jared?
1: Yeah, unless he's unless and until he's you know bench for for Jimmy G. (laughs) right
0: on the Bears side lowest implied point total of the week at 17 by one and a half below the next lowest team so Vegas does not like Justin Fields in week one I always like Justin Fields but you know you should probably be apprehensive about starting Justin Fields right away we'll see where it goes and then it's basically him Darnell Mooney David Montgomery and Cole Komet are the guys that you're considering justin field's probably not starting for teams this week what about the other guys for you
1: yeah i i fear for justin field's health in this game when you look at that 49ers pass rush against the bears o-line um he's going to be running for his life so hopefully he makes out of it makes it out of this one healthy yeah i would you know fields quarterback two option only uh yeah mooney you know he should dominate targets this season anyways he should really dominate targets this week with valus jones uh, missed practice on Wednesday. He might not play in this game. Byron Pringle's just working his way back from an injury that cost him most of August. So I don't even know. You know it might be. It might still be Equinemius St. Brown is the number two wide receiver here. So, you know, Mooney could get, you know, 30, 35% of Chicago's targets in this game. So even in a bad matchup, he's starting for you. Komet is, I'm going to say the same thing about Komet every week. Like he's a decent volume bet, but he's not an exciting player and it's not an exciting offense to me. So I'm not excited to use him in fantasy, but you know, he probably won't kill you. And then, you know, Montgomery, at least for now, looks like the clear lead back. He dominated snaps over Khalil Herbert in that preseason finale. So, you know, kind of like the running back version of Cole Komet. You know, Montgomery's a volume based play. Not exciting, but, you know, he has a decent floor just based on those touches.
0: I think it's 45% targets for Mooney this week, 40% for uh, Cole Komet, and then 5% for David <laughs> Montgomery. Sounds right. Those are my conservative projections. Yeah, I mean, David David Montgomery is a touch volume play. It's not exciting, but he's RB17, even in what was a negative matchup last year, just because he should still control the backfield. And once you get past him, it's really a question of, you know, upside players versus guys with relative touch certainty. And Montgomery does pretty well in the touch certainty area. I feel like this seven point line in San Francisco's favor on the road might be a little bit high just based on, the
1: uncertainty about how good yeah. Trey Lance is. Yeah, I, I wouldn't bet the Niner side. I also wouldn't bet the Bears side because I think they're, they're going to be really bad. Jared, you can't not bet on either
0: side. We're <laughs> the, we're in the land of degenerates here.
1: Can't sit that one up?
0: <laughs> no, you're not allowed. You have to make a call in every single game. So that that's it for me in that game. I agree with, with all the stuff you said about the pass catchers. Cole Komet's never going to be <laughs> somebody that excites you, but he should be a good bet for target volume each week. It's similar to TJ Hawkinson and just kind of the target volume
1: outlook yeah Comet is reluctantly tight end 15 in our ppr rankings
0: <laughs> reluctant on jared's account <laughs> not on Comet's account yes. so that's it for that game we'll move on to the indianapolis colts at the houston texans colts by seven over under 46 that's up one and a half from where it started the texans were the fifth friendliest matchup for quarterback scoring last year i don't love though the colts being seven point favorites here for the sake of the passing volume on the Indy side, obviously everybody's starting Jonathan Taylor. I think it's a good spot for Naheem Hines as well, because I think the Colts should be able to run it plenty and likely want to. And as far as the passing game goes, the only factor there that I'm even playing is Michael Pittman.
1: Yeah. So last year the Colts won their two meetings against the Texans by a combined score of 62 to three. Now, you know, not, not surprisingly, with, with that score, they had 74 rushes and just 42 pass attempts in those two games. I, I, you know, I would obviously expect this game to be closer. I do think Houston's going to be a bit better this season, but it, it really should be a Jonathan Taylor type game for the Colts, you know, 20 plus carries. He he dominated the Texans in both of their matchups last year. So, you know, Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, guys I'm intrigued by. But to me, this week, it, it's, it's just Michael Pittman in the Colts passing games. I don't think it's going to be high volume.
0: And then on the other side, I mean, Brandon Cooks is probably in your lineup, especially if you drafted him where we said to uh, he is in a similar range in our week one rankings as to where he was in the preseason wide receiver rankings. Otherwise, not a whole lot that's attractive. And I mean, Damian Pierce was the exciting name heading into the season I say was Mm -hmm. probably still is but he finds a Colts defense that was number three in DVOA against the run last year so not a great matchup especially as a seven-point underdog for his opener
1: I would say that's the problem with Pierce like you're gonna if if he's not getting the passing game usage and at least out of the gate I don't think he's gonna you know in the preseason it was still Rex Burkhead playing over Pierce and obviously obvious passing situation so you know if he's not getting that stuff and he's a seven-point underdog. You know that's generally a pretty low-floor spot to use a guy. So you know, P- Pearson's in play as an RB three, and again, but I'll be keeping a close eye on how much use he gets in the in the passing game. And in most cases, he probably still went round six or
0: later. I did see him get his highest round four, in I think it was a, a football guys' players' championship draft, which I thought was too early at the time. So you know, if you grab Damian Pearson round three, then I guess <laughs> go ahead and use him. But keep in mind that through all the buzz he was probably around six or later pick and there's time for him to pay off it doesn't have to happen
1: in week one yeah 30th in our ppr rankings is is damian pierce
0: and same thing for nico collins but to a lesser degree he was a, he was a hot name in best ball yeah. drafting especially
1: but uh, if he's in your starting plans in week one then your team's in rough shape yeah and i'd say the same too for brevin jordan um you know encouraging preseason usage where you know he was up around an 80 percent route rate if that stays you know during the regular season he's going to be someone we can use in the right matchups and this actually is a decent matchup against the Colts but you know it's week one yeah yeah. hopefully you drafted Jordan as your tight end too and you have someone more reliable to use over him this week
0: here's a specific Damian Pierce question from Connor LaRose on YouTube Damian Pierce Rashad Penny MVS Darnell Mooney we got to pick one of those players for PPR Jared who do you favor
1: Uh, it's Mooney pretty easily for me with the full PPR
0: I agree. And we'll we'll get to the Seattle game in a while, but uh, probably not a great setting for rushing volume there, although it's it's the Seahawks, so they're probably gonna run <laughs> the ball plenty. But yeah, I, I like the target upside for Mooney as we already talked about. He's gonna get at least 45% target share uh, this <laughs> week. New York Giants at Tennessee Titans, Titans by five and a half. That's down a point from where it opened. 43 and a half over under, which is also down a point. The Giants D was friendlier last year to RB scoring than it was to passing offenses. You know, we'll see what happens this year, but that's not the base from which you want to build into a matchup with this Tennessee <laughs> team that would love to give Derrick Henry 100% of the offensive touches. You factor that in, you factor in the five and a half point line. It's Derrick Henry. It's maybe Robert Woods, if you need that yeah. receiver. Uh, and then I don't even want to know anybody else's name on Tennessee. This week.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, if you t- Tennessee, well, five and a half, six point home favorites. You have Woods in his first game back from the ACL last year. You have Traylon Burks coming off a pretty rough preseason. Um, you know, th- this, this could, I, I don't have much, I might not have any Derrick Henry in season long, but I might use him in DFS this week, just, you know, to, to ease the pain when he, you know, carries 30 times for 150 yards and two touchdowns. It feels like one of those games.
0: I took him in round two. I think it was my uh, main event draft. Yeah, well, yeah, so I'll right. definitely have him in that lineup and be rooting him on against the Giants this week. And then, you know, Kyle Phillips, we'll we'll see about his matchup with Aaron Robinson, who is uh,
1: the kind of corner that quarterbacks love to throw at. I'm curious to see what this wide receiver core looks like, you know, just how the snaps are divided between Phillips and Burks and and Nick Westbrook-Akini. Yes, I agree. I'm curious to see who's actually on the field, but Robert Woods is the only one I
0: would really consider playing in fantasy this week. Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles chargers chargers by three and a half in this one over under 52 and plenty of points should be had here. The chargers have the second highest implied points total of the week. I mean, really Jared, anybody that you're strongly considering on either side makes plenty of sense in this matchup.
1: Yeah, it is. It is funny from an efficiency standpoint, both these quarterbacks struggled against these in this matchup last season. They were both below 60% completion rate. Derek Carr just 5.5 yards per attempt in two meetings with the chargers. Um, but he has the car is Devonte Adams his time around. That's going to help uh, chargers without JC Jackson. They're, you know, big for agent addition was expected to be the number one corner. So that's a big matchup upgrade for um, Devonte Adams. So, you know, Carr, like he's going to, for most of the season, he's in, you know, like quarterback 12 to quarterback 15 range. If you took him as your quarterback one, this is obviously a, a nice spot to use. And this should be a high scoring game. I would
0: probably play Trevor Lawrence over Derek Carr in my own lineup though. Oh,
1: really? I'd go, carr. I'd go carr.
0: It's close enough where I'm not. I, I don't think either one is wrong necessarily, but you know, I I, I like the I feel, scoring matchup. But even with J.C. Jackson out, the
1: Chargers also added quite a bit to the pass rush. I mean, it could be a a, a very good defense this year. Well, I mean, the, the game has the 52.0 point over under, second highest of the week. Uh, Chargers 24 point implied total. Um, I, I do think it's going to be high scoring game. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you drafted Derek Carr for these AFC West shootout games, so I, I, I'd be using them. That is
0: definitely fair. Josh Jacobs, I think, belongs in the starting lineup. The Chargers have showed us that they don't care about stopping the run. So if anything, this might be the time for Josh Jacobs. Now, he you can't project him too high because we don't really know what the mm-hmm. Raiders are going to do touch-wise. But there's a chance that the Raiders show us this week that it was silly to worry about Josh Jacobs because of Zemir White and because of Amir Abdullah. And if he does get, you know, 18 carries and three targets, it's a pretty good day.
1: You know, my, you know, my guess, and it's just a guess, is that, you know, Jacobs will, will be the pretty clear lead ball carrier and will get, you know, 15 to 18 carries in this game. But I, I do think they're going to use Amir Abdullah in passing situations. Um, again, we'll see. But as you said, it's a pretty good matchup. The Chargers did make a couple additions to their interior DL, but you're right. Just, you know, the way they play defense, they kind of invite teams to run the ball. Uh, Jacobs had 132 yards and a score in that um, season finale last year against the Chargers.
0: Yeah, and Brandon Staley, the head coach, came from a Rams system that was like, that's fine if you guys want to run the ball because that's an inefficient way to move it. We're going to stop the pass and we're going to outscore you, so that doesn't really matter. Anything else from that game? Any other specific players you want to hit?
1: Um, Darren Waller is good to go with all his, you know, hamstring and or contract drama in August, but he's off the injury report, so he's good to go. Then um, yeah, I think it's all the all the usuals on the Charger side. "I do think Gerald Everett is in play if you're, you know, looking for a tight end, one spot starter this week. Um, Jared Cook, whoever is, you know, replacing as the Chargers tight end, he went six catches, seventy yards, and a touchdown in the first meeting with Vegas last year, and then four catches for eighty yards in the second meeting.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right,
0: we'll see how that matchup." stands up two tight ends this year but you know like we said before if you're expecting plenty of points in this game that makes tight ends good plays because those guys tend to be touchdown dependent who would you play between Gerald Everett and Evan Ingram in a PPR lineup
1: I'd go Ingram in in PPR if not PPR I might go Everett just as the better touchdown but
0: yeah, I could see that. Monique wants to know on YouTube about Hunter Renfro in this game. This is the full question. Need a good flex play. We got Hunter Renfro, Devonte Smith, Julio Jones, Devin Singletary, Cordero Patterson. It is a PPR league.
1: Jared, who do you like among those five options for PPR flex? Frantically scrolling through our projections to see. So, I mean, my, my gut call is either Patterson or Renfro. Um, our projections have Patterson highest in PPR among those guys.
0: Yeah, I would probably lean Hunter Renfro here over Patterson just because I think he's a little bit better bet for opportunity volume. You know, we talk about Cordero Patterson being matchup proof, but if the Falcons are serious about lowering his um, touch count on the ground, you know, it, it seems like he's a lock for target volume, but it's not hard for a guy to become not a lock for target volume. So I don't think it's a guarantee for Patterson and he's in a worse team and he's in a worse situation for fantasy upside. So I think ultimately I would probably play Hunter Renfro in PPR flex among these options.
1: Yeah, I think game environments to edge for Renfro there. And I I think either Renfro or Patterson are nice flex options in, in a PPR league this week.
0: Mm hmm. Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings Packers by one and a half over under 47. It's down one and a half from where it started. Alan Lazard, no practice Wednesdays got apparently an ankle issue. I believe that's how it was listed. He was stepped on, according to his coach um, last week. I- I'm not playing Alan Lazard this week. That, like I wouldn't want to play him anyway. So it's nice to have something
1: specific to point to. I don't have that decision to make because I might have a few shares of Lazard in, in best ball, but I, again, I set my lineup this morning. I have no Alan Lazard in season long, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's worse. It's worrisome if you're hoping to start Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, it could be Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb is his three top wide receivers. We still don't know about Robert Tonyan. And it seems like he has a chance to play coming off last year's danger, but even if he does, I would expect he'd be limited to some extent. Um, nah, th- this, this could be an eight to 10 target game for Aaron Jones. If uh, Alan Lazard is out. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones, you're obviously starting if you drafted
0: him as a second rounder. I think A.J. Dillon might be a little bit low in our week one rankings. You get to the point, like I said before, where, you know, it's tough to know who are better bets for touches and opportunities. But I would start Dillon over Tony Pollard, who's ahead of him in our rankings right now. I'd probably start him over Chase Edmonds, especially because of the groin issue, probably over Kareem Hunt. So that puts A.J. Dillon about RB25 on my list. I think that's kind of a fair level for him.
1: Yes, we haven't projected for just two catches right now. I think that's what's probably hurting him in full PPR. But we also still have Lazard in, in the projections right now. So, you know, if we uh, end up knocking Lazard out, I'm sure, you know, Dylan will, will add another catcher or catch and a half to that total. And he'd, he'd move up, you know, quite a, quite a bit.
0: Yeah, no Lazard makes A.J. Dillon the slot receiver. <laughs> that's right. Robert Tunyon was also a limited Wednesday. I'm certainly not considering using him
1: until we actually yep. see in real games a reason to use him. Yeah, another guy that's you know ahead of where I thought he'd be though a month ago. And it you know, it seems like we'll we'll see him by the end of September. So, you know, another guy. Um, if you if you're looking for a number two tight end, Tony Tony could, you know, if, if he's healthy, he could actually have a nice season with you know the the uh, slack the Packers are trying to pick up with uh, Devontae Adams departure.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's of course remember that the the season he did have a nice season, he had he was what, like eighteenth in targets and yes. first
1: in touchdowns. But that, I mean, the target volumes, what could, you know, improve this year versus that year with, with Adam's gone? Right.
0: Uh, on the Vikings side, I mean, obvious guys in play. Dalvin Cook's in your lineup. Justin Jefferson's in your lineup. We got Adam Thielen probably in lineups. It's not a great matchup for scoring overall. The Packers were pretty good on defense last year, and they have Jair Alexander, their top cornerback, uh, healthy this year. So it could be a tough defense. But Adam Thielen, I, I yeah. think, likely in plans for most people that drafted
1: him. I think isn't Alexander a shadow guy when he's healthy? I think really the so. Packers used him to shadow, so he might you know he might spend most draw all the day on drafting just. To me, if you drafted Adam Thielen, I'm I'm starting him when he's healthy. I mean, I still think he's a you know potential top twenty five wide receiver whenever he's healthy this season. So I, I feel fine using him in this matchup that should be pretty high scoring. You know, in in the dome and in, in Minnesota, uh, Kirk Cousins three hundred forty one yards and three touchdowns in his lone game against this Packers defense last season. So um cousins is someone i like you know over the guys we've been talking about over trevor lawrence even over uh derrick carr I, I would use cousins over those guys this week
0: yeah i agree with that kj osborne probably want to wait and see what his
1: target count's going to be like yep. especially not in a game that in a game it doesn't look like it's going to be a shootout yeah irv smith's the tough call for me on the viking side you know if you you don't have one of these you know, top 8 10 tight ends um you know had the Thumb surgery in early August, that cost him the first like three weeks of the month. Um, He returned to practice on August 22nd, not on the injury report this week. So, you know, the thumb's not an issue. It's just how much how much did he miss in those three weeks in this new Kevin O'Connell offense? And is he going to be ready for, you know, a a full workload in the opener?
0: I would rather play Gerald Everett than Irv Smith this week while we're waiting to see. That's fair. Yep. Kansas city chiefs at the Arizona Cardinals. We got chiefs by six. It's up three points from where it opened over under 53 and a half. I believe that's the highest overall for the week. Uh, The chiefs have the highest implied point total by two points, 29.75 points, despite being on the road at Arizona. I don't know. That seems like it might be a little bit too friendly. Although I wonder Jared, if that's a signal to everybody that we've kind of been underrating
1: the chiefs, off of you know Tyreek Hill's departure I was surprised when I saw you know like you said not only are the Chiefs the highest implied total of the week but you know they're they're significantly the highest implied team total um I think they're being helped in that regard by the fact that this you know this should be a shootout the Cardinals offense should be able to score enough to continue to push the Chiefs Cardinals defense also dealing with some injuries J.J. Watt uh, Marcus Golden and corner Trayvon Mullen did not practice on Wednesday it sounds like Golden was back out there on Thursday, but the other two were not. So, you know, those three injuries, the the Watt one, especially, and Mullen, who they're, you know, relying on to, you know, what, what, probably be their top corner. Um, I, I think those injuries might be, you know, pushing that implied total for the Chiefs up a bit too.
0: I'm not sure about top corner for Mullen, but the fact that they traded for a cornerback that the Raiders didn't want anymore certainly (laughs) signals how good the secondary is for Arizona and good meaning not very. So whatever role he's playing is not a, a good signal. And it's certainly it's certainly ripe ground for the chiefs to score points as the Vegas projection says here. So if you've got chiefs that you're considering closely, I would probably go ahead and play him. Juju says his knee is fully healed. So he should be good to use where you drafted him this year. You know, we've talked about Juju Smith-Schuster quite a bit. I didn't draft him much, if at all. So it's not a decision I'm making, but similar to Amon Ross St. Brown, if you drafted Juju for the price you paid for him, you should be starting him this week.
1: For sure. Yeah. I think Juju's the to me, the only Chiefs receiver you can feel good about starting this week. I mean, the other guys have upside in this spot, and with Mahomes, obviously. To me, it, I, I'm confident Sky Moore is going to be the fourth in terms of, you know, maybe even the fifth. I, I think he'll end up playing ahead of Justin Watson, but I don't. I don't think Moore is usable in fantasy this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know how snaps and targets will be divided between Macaulay Hardman and Marquez Valdes-Scantling. I, I'd consider both guys, you know, risk reward wide receiver fours. Probably not going to see huge volume, but you know, both guys are capable of making big plays and you know, scoring a touchdown or two in this matchup.
0: Yeah, like if you're considering playing Jacoby Myers or Tyler Boyd and weighing those guys against M V S or McCole Hardman, I'd go ahead and play the chief because I think the upside is much greater.
1: Yeah, me too. That's that's the range you should be, you know, using M V S or Hardman.
0: On the Arizona side, obviously James Conner is about to start his historic run through fantasy defenses <laughs> and lead you to a title. We've got Marquise Brown set up to be the wide receiver one. We've got Kyler Murray in a shootout to start the season. So you're starting those guys. Uh, what about everybody else here, Jared? Zach Earths is the injury question. He was limited
1: Wednesday with a calf. Limited Wednesday with a calf injury here. he suffered on August 4th. So he's been, you know, dealing with this for over a month now that's worrisome for a guy that's you know well into his 30s at this point I-, I would need to see him put in a full practice on thursday or friday to really want to use him in fantasy line this week despite you know what-, what should be a good game environment a shootout against the chiefs no deandre hopkins or so targets up for grabs um Rondell Moore is the guy I'm interested in. I think he's, you know, in play in that MVS Hardman level in season-long leagues, Um, you know, in in this matchup, again, with no Hopkins, with Earths potentially being limited, you know, Moore, they're going to need him to play a pretty big role here. Um, So he's, again, season-long fringe option and and definitely someone to consider in, in DFS.
0: Yeah. Uh, not somebody that's going to excite me until he shows me otherwise, but it's certainly in play. And I would also like to point out that Ertz turns 32 on November 10th. So Jared, a little
1: bit unfair to him
0: saying that he's well into his thirties.
1: He's, he, he's younger than me. That's crazy to think that Ertz is younger than me. I'm, I'm old.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are. Jared, well into his thirties <laughs> at yep, this point. For sure. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Dallas Cowboys in a rematch from week one of last year. We got the Bucs as two and a half point favorites on the road, over under 51. So Vegas says it should be fairly friendly to fantasy scoring. Dallas's defense was number two in overall DVOA last year. Number two against the pass, number 16 against the run. I don't think they're actually as tough in pass defense as that would indicate. I'm not benching any Bucs that I'm strongly considering because of the matchup. I guess we'll see where it goes from there, though. It's kind of an odd August for Tampa with Tom Brady not around very much with guys dealing with various injuries.
1: Chris Godwin
0: coming back quicker than we probably anticipated.
1: Yes, here's a bet I did make. I, I bet the under in this game. Um, th- there are key O-line and pass catcher injuries on both sides. I don't think either of these offenses is going gonna, is gonna to be anywhere close to, to full strength in week one. And I, I think both defenses are, you know, good enough to, to limit the score and keep it under that 51 point total. You know, on, on, on the buck side, you have center Ryan Jensen's out. And I think that's big for, you know, Brady, who needs quality pass protection at, really throughout his career, and especially at this stage of his career. The wide receiver core is tough to know what to make of. I mean, Mike Evans, to me, is the clear number one. I think he has a chance to, you know, see a bigger target share this week than he usually does. Um, but you have Russell Gage still dealing with a hamstring injury. He was limited on Wednesday. Godwin, I'm still not sure if he's going to, play he was a full go on wednesday as i think you mentioned but he kind of seemed uncertain of a status if he does play i think he's going to be limited julio jones might be the the second healthiest bucks wide receiver in this game Um, so i think he he's interesting i i might rank him in that order i might go evans julio gage godwin if i was ranking these these bucks receivers this week
0: i would say it's fair for week one but when you actually rank them it's probably like mike evans And then Julio's down here at the bottom, and then everybody else is, like, not that far behind him.
1: For sure.
0: Um, Leonard Fournette's, of course, in starting lineups. You got to play him now before he suffers his lower body injury. Rashad White is not in starting lineups, although he's number two on the depth chart, according to the unofficial depth chart. So we like that.
1: And he was the number two in the preseason finale, too. Uh, Brady, or sorry, Fournette played all 11 snaps with Brady in that preseason finale, which is confirmation that he's the guy at least out of the gate. But um, yeah, Rashad White has won that number two spot.
0: Uh, don't use a Bucks tight end. We'll see if anybody yeah. plays enough snaps to be usable in deep situations, but uh, not a, not a place we should look for starters. Uh, did you mention that Russell Gage was still limited Wednesday with his hamstring issue?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, and that's been quite a, a few weeks now that he's been dealing with that. So, you know, and, and, and uh, trying to learn a new offense, that's, that's a bit worse. And again, I think Julio, um, could be in for a pretty big role he's julio's as healthy as he's going to be all season right now
0: yeah target upside for the season on gauge but certainly not somebody i would want to use in week one on dallas side this offense went extremely pass yeah. heavy in the week one matchup with tampa bay last year to the point where we were like uh-oh we might have to adjust all of our projections for dallas things yeah. balanced out after that but I don't know why we should not assume that they would throw the ball plenty again. I mean, you know, the big difference for Dallas this year versus that team from week one last year is, of course, that Amari Cooper has gone. Michael Gallup is not playing. So two of their top three receivers are not involved in the game. There's still plenty of talent on that offense, though. And last year, Dak Prescott was coming off. An ankle injury that cost him nearly all of the previous season, so now he's much healthier. He obviously does have some wide receivers, even if there are some different faces in there, including C.D. Lamb in his third season. So, I think we should still expect plenty of Dallas
1: passing in this game. Yeah, that this to me has been like the toughest projection of the week. You know what Dallas's pass rate is going to be in this game because, like you said, they went 85% situation neutral pass in that Week One meeting last year. They were 52% situation neutral pass. The rest of the season, and, and we see teams do that against the Bucks in general. You know, teams go pass heavy against the Bucks because of the way their defense is set up. But man, I, I mean, Manoa Browns your number two receiver, and Jalen Tolbert, Tolbert's your number three. Like I know, you know, Dalton Schultz is quality. CD Lamb, I think. I think Tony Pollard is going to play a big role in this game in the passing game. I, I don't think Dallas is going to go anywhere close to as pass heavy as they did last year in this meeting. But it, it, you know, probably will be still one of their pass heavier game plans of the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can ever project a team to go 85% pass, um, but we at least know that that's not unprecedented in this particular matchup. So we'll see where that goes. I think the ultimate takeaway for me on that front is I'm not going to be trying to use Zeke Elliott and he's, you know, an interesting decision in terms of where you drafted him. There were times where he was a third round pick And in that case, he's likely in your plans, depending on what else you have. But there are plenty of other leagues where he was a fifth, even a sixth round pick. And that's the range where you don't have to make Zeke a week one starter. Obviously, still depending on what else you're choosing among.
1: I think you're hoping for a touchdown if you start. Zeke this week uh, you know the rushing matchup is tough Zeke had 11 carries for 33 yards in that meeting with the, the Bucks in last year's opener um, also had just two catches maybe he plays a bit bigger role in the passing game this time around you know with no Amari Cooper with no Michael Gallup for this game not a great spot for Zeke you know he, he's a lower end RB2 in our rankings this week
0: Mm -hmm. Um, before we move on to the next game, our sideline reporter, uh, as from last year mentioned that, uh, Zach Ertz, not at practice today. So it doesn't sound like the calf is doing well for him. You know, we'll watch the Friday update and the game status, but, uh, it doesn't
1: sound like Zach Ertz should be in your plans this week. If you can help it. Grab Trey McBride in your, in your deeper leagues, you know, second round rookie again, Ertz has been dealing with his calf for, for over a month now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting worried.
0: Yeah, in the league where you're like where you're wondering whether Isaiah Likely should be on a roster, I would rather have Trey McBride than Isaiah Likely.
1: Um they they're close. They're close for me. Trey McBride could be a week one starter. Yeah, he could be. I mean, I think he could probably do better this week. Um, we didn't see much McBride. I mean, week one group. starter for the Cardinals, not week oh, one yeah, starter yeah. for your fantasy yeah, team. Yeah
0: yeah i mean the, the trey mcbride should not be a week one starter for your team
1: <laughs> correct yeah i mean the, the the lines are blurred especially in the ravens offense like you know likely is obviously not a starter but you know there's been plenty of talk that he could be you know, the number three option in that passing game
0: all right so anything else in that game before we do move on
1: no I, again i think it's a great spot for cd lamb dalton schultz uh should be a condensed target tree for dallas like those guys if you're you know playing the sunday nighter in dfs and then tony pollard i'm kind of buying the they're going to get Zeke and Pollard on the field at the same time this season. And if they're going to do it, it would definitely, you'll know, make sense now uh, before the Cowboys get Michael Gallup back.
0: Mm-hmm. And we have seen Tony Pollard's role grow anyway, and they've been talking about getting him more involved in the passing game. So he, one of those that, you know, we don't really know yet what his role is going to look like, or, or if he's going to fit into the, the scheme enough to get, consistent enough touches with zeke for us but mm-hmm. somebody that i would be a little bit more willing to go ahead and bet on this week than i don't know somebody it, it, whatever other players are in a similar range i guess
1: we're st- we're starting him in our uh you know draft shark staff main event team who
0: in are we college starting college him over there
1: in there there's a couple wideouts we were considering, or I, I was considering since I, since I'm running the team, I guess I, I have to pull it up. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you in Like I was
0: going to put the we in air quotes because I don't know if we <laughs> talked about that yet. I was
1: I was named I was named head coach. I'm running the squad. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fair. I'm certainly not going to arm wrestle over Tony it's, Pollard in week one, but I'm curious. All right, so it's
1: so we need yeah we need we need one of Pollard, Darius, Tony, and Julio. Yeah, I'm
0: with Pollard there.
1: <laughs> okay, good.
0: All right, so now we're moving on to the final game of the week, the Monday Nighter, the thrilling Monday Nighter, where the Denver Broncos will visit the Seattle Seahawks. And fortunately for the NFL, we have the storyline of Russell Wilson facing his old team in this game, because otherwise it's just a garbage game that I would wonder why it even made prime time. Broncos by six and a half, up two and a half from where it opened. Over under is 44 and a half. That's up three. So Vegas started out saying there's not going to be many points in this game. Still not an exciting game fantasy spot but it's certainly better looking if you have um, Denver players Seattle was the second friendliest matchup for RB scoring last year and that was before Bobby Wagner the middle linebacker left he consistently put up strong run D grades according to pro football focus now that he's gone I mean Seattle's only going to get softer and the offense certainly doesn't look like it's capable of running with most teams in terms of scoring points so it's if you drafted Javante Williams it should be a great spot to have him in week one even if he's seeding more work than you want to melvin gordon
1: yeah i mean there should be at least 25 maybe you know 30 35 carries to go around between those two backs this week seattle faced the third most running back carries last season because they were you know, playing from behind so often seattle also got crushed by running backs in the passing game last year they allowed 199 more receiving yards to running backs than any other team um and again no, no bobby wagner's not, not going to help that
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not going to help anything. I mean, the defense wasn't good last year and then it it sent its captain away. So the Broncos should be able to do pretty much what they want in this game. Albert Oakway Boonham gets a nice matchup as well. Seahawks were the second friendliest matchup for tight end scoring last year. They added 41% to PPR scoring for the position. So if you drafted Albert O, if you've got him and another mid-round tight end, nice spot for him, an upside spot, especially with Greg Dulcich starting the season on
1: uh, IR. Right, I, I I don't know if Denver's coaching staff is sold on Alberto, but like they really don't have a choice until Greg Dalsich is back. So I think he's going to be on the field. And like you said, it, it's a good good matchup for Alberto.
0: I do think that I would play Gerald Everett over Alberto because even though it's a good matchup, Denver has Cortland Sutton. It has Jerry Judy. It does have KJ Hamler. It does have the running backs. Whereas with the Chargers, there's plenty of offensive talent, but the wide receiver is a little bit more concentrated and Austin Eckler is, you know, the
1: only guy in the backfield. Yeah. I hope you don't have that decision. So I honestly don't know which way I'd go. They seem like very similar guys, you know, tertiary targets in their offense, but you know, in, in good spots where they're, they decent touchdown bets.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's down in the range where you're more flipping a coin than actually making a decision because we're talking about guys that are likely to get four or five targets. So it's going to come down to who's lucky in the end zone. Right. Right. So in that case, go for the points in the Chargers game. You know, I mentioned Jerry Judy. I mentioned Cortland Sutton. They're both in lineups for most
1: teams, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think where you drafted them, I'd be starting them this week. Nothing to to worry about in the Seattle secondary. What would you do if you had Melvin Gordon on a team where
0: Mike Davis is somebody you're actually considering starting in week one? Melvin Gordon versus Mike Davis.
1: That's that's Gordon pretty easily for me.
0: I like it. just...
1: Yeah, I I think the volume will be similar, and I I just I think Gordon's a a better player, and I think his offense will score just as much as Baltimore as well this week.
0: On the Seattle side of this, we don't need to spend too long because, like (laughs) EK Metcalf, you're probably playing Tyler Lockett. You can probably wait because you know even though I I thought that he was a, a big value at draft time, we drafted him deep in wide receiver four range. We're gonna wait and see what the QBs look like before we go starting him, and you know even. DK Metcalf depending on how many wide receivers you drafted early might not be somebody you need to use right away. Denver could also be a tough matchup for passing games. Seattle of course we know likes to run the ball and Kenneth Walker remains unsure for week one because of his abdominal injury.
1: Yeah I'm not expecting Walker to play even if he does I can't imagine he'd play a big role as a rookie after missing all that time so Penny should you know dominate carries however you know much seattle is able to run the ball in this game if they can keep it relatively close i still think penny's gonna lose passing down work though to you know dj dallas and or travis homer you know he, you look at penny's massive run to close last season those final five games even in those games he only caught five total balls you know it was all rushing he was relying on so he, he's still a scary fantasy play but i I do think he's playable this week um, you know assuming kenneth walker is out
0: Yeah, plenty of upside to him. Uh and you know, I was just looking back at the college numbers. He never did reach twenty receptions in a season, so it's not like he hit the league with a good passing pedigree. But yeah, it's it's a backfield that I like not having very many pieces of, and we'll kind of see what happens. The Denver defense really it it should be pretty good overall. So I don't think this is gonna be a banner day for anything Seattle on offense, but Rashad Penny is certainly usable.
1: Yeah. Noah Fant, not usable. He was in a you know committee throughout the, the preseason. I think he's actually gonna lose, you know, snaps and routes to Will Disley. They were even getting Colby Parkinson involved. So sad that Noah Fant's gonna gonna waste away in Seattle for the next few years, but it looks like that's what's gonna happen.
0: We've got Tyler Yentes on uh YouTube asking Damian Pierce or Rashad Penny at R B two in a full PPR league, Jared. What do you think
1: here? I'm gonna trust our rankings at F Penny a few spots higher than Damian Pierce. I, I think they're similar though. What you know yeah. Talented lead backs on, you know, kind of bad offenses that, you know, might not do a whole lot in the passing game. But, you know, to me, Penny, we've just we've seen it more than we have with Pierce so far.
0: Yeah. And we know because Seattle has said so that they want to run the ball. We don't really know how much Houston cares about running the ball in this game. If if both teams fall behind and the lines are very similar between the two games. So we should expect both these teams to be trailing. I think Seattle's the better bet to stick with the ground game.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: All right. Anything else from that awful game? No, that's it. That's going to do it then for this week one preview pod. It is not too late to become a DS insider. We will help you search your waiver wire for all of your leagues. We will help you pick out trade partners to try to upgrade that position where you felt a little bit weak coming out of your draft. And we'll just generally help you set your best lineup each week. So head over to draftsharks.com now. Check all that out. Become a DS insider for the regular season. We'll be back with you tomorrow for our DFS shows right here. Starting Monday, Adam and I are going to be recapping the Sunday action. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube or wherever else you like to get your podcast. We'll be coming at you multiple times every week going forward. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schausen. Thanks so much for swimming with us.